mother, it's my life, okay? So if I want to live on a beach and walk around naked... Oh. Now, if we want to get Miss Piggy out of jail, we're going to have to catch those thieves red-handed. Glass cutter. Check. Nylon rope. Check. Computer to programmer. Check. Stopwatch. Check. Pocket laser. Check. Infrared reflex. Check. Portable detonator. Check. Whoopee cushion. I think it's in the bus. Rubber raft. It's got holes in it. Bag of chickens. Fake vomit. It's on order. Frisbee. Oh, uh, lost. Matic drill. Check. Computer printout. Check. Radar gun. Check. Walkie-talkies. Check. Check. Wax lips. Man, I just had them. Did you leave them in your other pants? I don't have no other pants. Yo-yo. For sure. <laughs> Harpoon gun. That's you. Check. All right, team. Let's go for it. Peanut butter. Animal ate it. Sorry. <laughs> well, trim it. Guess that's it. All right, everybody. Let's go for it. everybody and welcome to the Nightfly Podcast. My name is Dave Juskow and I am your host. It's a lovely day. It's been a lovely couple of weeks, at least in downtown New York City, as the weather seems to uplift everybody, uh, although there's uh, lots of tension and stuff. And you know why there is tension in the Middle East? I'll tell you why, because it's hot and humid and sticky, or maybe it's a dry heat, but whatever it is, it's too hot. And then when the weather's pleasant... Everybody seems to be happy, so uh, let's just keep these uh, nice, cool temperatures going, where the days are sunny and, and not humid, and uh, the nights are are cool, just like they have every day in sunny L.A. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. Playing a little Billy Joel today. Now, listen, I'm not going to bother you with Billy Joel all the time, not even though I'm doing a Billy Joel podcast, but once in a while, when Elon and I find a... a we wouldn't call it undiscovered, but a hidden gem. We rediscovered this uh, Blonde Over Blue off the River of Dreams, which is coming out this week. 
I think on Tuesday. No, no, Big Shot's coming out on Tuesday, Blonde Over Blue. This particular song we're listening to right now is coming out on Thursday at the Billy Joel A to Z podcast. So I thought sometimes when I hear, you know, I think we did that for Ain't No Crime. I'm not going to continue to play Billy Joel every week because it's uh, goddamn annoying. Uh, I didn't even care to play any Billy Joel songs on the podcast uh, besides Summer Highland Falls until I started doing the show and kind of rediscovering some stuff. And obviously I'm having a very fun time in talking to Elon about each and every goddamn song, which is super fun. So this week on the Billy Joel A to Z podcast, Big Shot, everybody loves that one, and Blonde Over Blue. On the Comedy Cellar show, the Comedy Cellar nightly show this week, or today, Tuesday, we have Wendy Liebman, our favorite, and Marina Franklin will be joining us. So that's a show, and as you know, at least uh, on paper, according to plan, Jackie Tone will be joining us, and I'm in the midst of contacting uh, comedian Beth Stelling as well. So that uh, we got some good shows coming up for you on the Comedy Cellar Nightly Show, and quite frankly, the Billy Joel Podcast as well. So who doesn't like that? Nobody. Nobody does. There was nothing on that goddamn cover. I know we did that last week, but I can't help myself. Love the Spinal Tap. Now listen to this. I mean, this is something we're going to talk about on the Billy Joel Podcast, right? So this is the way this song starts off, called Blonde Over Blue. Right. So um, this is what we point out because I heard it right away. And of course, Dave Curry heard it right away from, uh, you know, anybody that worships the cars knows exactly that it sounds exactly like this. That's pretty fucked up. I don't know who's ripping off who. Well, I can tell you exactly who it is. Billy Joel ripping off the cars. I mean, that song was 15 years before. He decided to do that one. But funny thing is, if I always liked this song, Touch and Go, by the Cars, off the uh, underrated Panorama album, then why wouldn't I like Blonde Over Blue? And when we started the program, we played a, a classic scene. And when I say classic, it's not so classic. From the great Muppet Caper, because of the death of Charles Grodin. Now, I've always, I mean, I don't think there's anybody that doesn't like or didn't like Charles Grodin, but... Towards the end, I didn't care for him, uh, I guess because he hated Howard Stern, and that's always going to sit it, you know, uh, did I say sit in my craw? Is that what it is? But that's, uh, if somebody doesn't like Howard, then I don't like them. That's the way it works for me. So he also became very bitter and angry at the end, right? So it's like Chevy Chase. It's like, I mean, who of us didn't worship Chevy Chase in the late 70s, early 80s, and now he is a very cranky old man and not funny anymore, as what happened to Charles Grodin. So I didn't really care for him. I didn't want to do any like tribute to him. But there was some stuff that he did that's absolutely brilliant. I mean, I can watch it every time. It doesn't matter. I don't think about like, oh, I hate this guy, so I can't watch him anymore. But, you know, and that's why I thought I'd play The Great Muppet Caper as kind of an insult uh, to him. Even though I didn't care for that Muppet movie, I remember seeing it in the 80s. In 1981, I remember seeing it in 1981, The Great Muppet Caper. The Muppet movie, the first Muppet movie is amazing. The Great Muppet Caper, not so good. 
But it's funny when I was playing that scene, I completely remember laughing at the line when they're going through the checklist of stuff and you know, Charles Grodin's got the you know, laser drill or whatever, and they're like, um, fake vomit, whoopee cushion. And I remember even being in high school at the time and thinking that was pretty goddamn funny. So <laughs> that one and the line where Janice says, like, oh, we were on the beach, man. I totally remember that. I haven't probably haven't heard that since 1981 and found it for this clip today. And I'm like, oh my God, maybe that movie's better than I thought it was, but it's not. It's not. And obviously, the third one was unbelievable. The Muppets Take Manhattan. I mean, come on. Who doesn't like the Muppets Take Manhattan? Meanwhile, I was looking at the. Because, you know, this is what I do. I go down the rabbit hole, right? So I'm looking at the movies from 1981, completely fascinating, just seeing where the great Muppet Caper ended up. And it ended up in ninth, but it's kind of loaded. For the domestic box office for 1981, the great Muppet Caper is ninth. The number one movie, can you guess it? Are you thinking about 1981? Superman 2. That year in June or that summer of 1981 was unbelievable. I think I saw, I was looking at it, and for the, what is it, uh, 30 movies or so that came out that are normal. Well, you know what? I probably saw so many others. I saw Superman 2. The next one after that, Stripes came out the week after Superman 2 and the same day as The Great Muppet Caper and, and For Your Eyes Only. So that week, I, that day, I must have I been at the movie theater, I mean, every, every hour. You're talking about Superman 2, Stripes. This is in order of box office, which is uh, Superman 2, Stripes, The Cannonball Run. We know that made money, the first one. For Your Eyes Only, The Four Seasons, which I definitely saw in the movie theater, the Alan Alda classic, whatever, Excalibur, which is the one, the reason I don't watch Game of Thrones, because that's when I realized I hated medieval movie shit or TV. I mean, I just hate the whole genre. So after Excalibur, I decided never to see any of that again. I've never seen Game of Thrones. It just bores the shit out of me, even though everybody says, no, it won't. And I'm like, maybe it's more than boring. It's Maybe it's um, also like, you know what? If I lived back then, I'd already be dead. So there and the Wild West, I hate all that stuff because I think it bothers me thinking that I could have lived in that time and I never would have survived. History of the World Part 1, Bustin' Loose, Richard Pryor, Endless Love, an American Werewolf in London, Body Heat. But here's where I thought something was wrong. Raiders of the Lost Ark at number 14. That doesn't make any sense. It came out June 12th. Well, how, how was it at number 14? So then, I, then after that, it's just kind of weird how... I don't understand how the great Muppet caper... Well, you know what it is? I think... Right, so you, so if, they, if Raiders of the Lost Ark came... Raiders of the Lost Ark, I believe, was kind of a slow burn. I have told you this before. When it came out, and I saw the ads for it. it. had the worst ad campaign I've ever seen. I don't think it was great right at the beginning. I told you my drama teacher took me into the city and um, something you couldn't do these days. And he's like, you got to see this movie. It's unbelievable. And I remember he went to me after the opening credit sequence, you know, with the boulder and all that. He goes, and that's just the opening. Uh, and we saw it in the city. And, you know, it just, it, it, 
I, I it must have been a slow burn because I don't understand how it's 14th. It's fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark. However, if you put in total gross, which I guess is over all the years, where do you hear this? You get Indiana Jones, and well, now they call it Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark, right? I guess they officially changed the name to go along with the other Indiana Jones movie. So that's a total gross of $212 million. And then the next one for 1981 in total grosses, because it came out December 4th, is on Golden Pond. What? Then Superman 2. What the fuck is happening? Huh? Then... Arthur, this is after a total gross. It's just kind of weird how I guess it was like a slow burn. Arthur came out in July. Raiders came out in June. I don't know. Then the Cannibal Run. Then Chariots of Fire. Remember that piece of garbage for your eyes only in the four seasons? Time Bandits, which I saw twice in the goddamn movies. Twice, because I'm an idiot. I saw that and Stripes in double feature. I mean, then then you go, the Great Muppet Caper uh, comes out really far down after History of the World Part 1. I mean, how many of these movies did I actually see in the movie theater? I think a lot. Um, and I saw Raiders of the Lost, in the actual theater, Raiders of the Lost Ark, On Golden Pond, Superman 2, Arthur's Stripes. I'm going to, I saw all these in the movie theater. I mean, it's just so funny that I don't do that anymore. The Cannonball Run... I never saw Chariots of Fire look boring from the beginning. For Your Eyes Only, The Four Seasons, Time Bandits, Absence of Malice. I did not see Reds, ever. Did not see Taps in the theater. Sharky's Machine, did not see it in the theater. Excalibur saw in the theater. History of the World Part One saw in the theater. Great Muppet Caper saw in the theater. American Werewolf in London saw in the theater. Ghost Story, that was a great one with uh, Fred Astaire, but I didn't see it in the theater. Under the Continental Divide, I definitely saw in the theater. I guess, I mean, listen, I was the exact proper age for, to go to the theater every week. You know, I was a high school, going into my high school senior year. What do you do? It's like, you know, I mean, pretty much in the 80s, you you might as well just be in the 50s. What are you supposed to do in the weekends? You go to the movies. It's just, again, it's unbelievable what you can choose from these days. You can never have a bad weekend because even if you're not going anywhere, you can you know, bring, you know, I mean, now I remember talking to a girl and um, I guess maybe I was a senior, the girl's a sophomore and we were t- trying to figure out what movie to go to and we couldn't find anything to watch. Whereas now I would have been like, well, why don't you just come over? We'll watch something here. Just wasn't an option back then. Oh, I guess we could rent a VHS tape. I mean, it, 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 it could, but it, you know, it's stupid. I don't know. You, that's how old I am. I couldn't even do that, I don't think, properly. I don't even know whether we had a... I guess we had a VCR back... Because we, we had the first one. So I don't know. Anyway, I was completely fascinated by that nonsense. And uh, the thing about Charles Grodin is... If we're doing this... Is that, you know, it's funny. I was talking about it last week. I was talking about Neil Simon because of the way, uh, you know, he words everything and everything. And, uh, and this this movie seems like old times with Chevy Chase, Goldie Hawn, and Charles Grodin. And it's really, really good. And there's this one scene where Charles Grodin is vamping because he's standing on Chevy Chase's hand. And this is what he was really good at. You know, and it's very obvious. And I don't think it has anything to do with Neil Simon because I was... So, 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 so what, are you, what, are you, what are you saying? That, 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 that Nick... Uh, now he's doing the thing that we were talking about where he's repeating everything that's happened in the 
in the movie, but he does it in a really good way, and I, I always like the scene a lot. Stopped him? Or make the cover of the National Enquirer? Then we have nothing further to discuss. All right, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What happened in Carmel? He was in a friend's cabin in Big Sur, working on a book. He, uh, two men walked in, kidnapped him, and stole his car. They forced him at gunpoint uh, to drive to a bank in Carmel, hand the teller a hold-up note. Uh, then they escaped up the mountain, took the money, kicked him out into a sand dune, leaving him for dead. That's his whole story, and I believe every word of it. You believe that story? Yes, I do. Oh, wait a minute. Let me, let me, let me get this straight. What you're saying is the two men walked into his cabin. Right, right. They, they, they kidnapped him. Right. Stole his car. Right, that's it. That's it. That's good. Forced him to give a bank teller a hold-up note. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Kicked him down a sand dune. Yeah, you got it. You got it. They left him for. Uh, what are you saying? That they you got left it. him for 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 uh, for dead. That's it. I saw him limping. I saw him myself. Oh, he was limping. I didn't know that. Well I, I just really like that. You know, he's standing on Chevy Chase's hand, and there's nothing that was better than Chevy Chase doing hand move. I mean, this guy was so funny, even with his hands. I mean, you know, when he was doing stuff, because I think he there's one on Saturday Night Live where he's rolling a joint, and then I think he's in the movie The Groove Tube or something. Where he's, doing, he's like a, a comedy genius, even just when you don't see his face and he's just doing hand gestures. The guy was... Awesome. It's kind of funny that him and Charles Grodin were in a movie together where they just both aged out of ever being funny again. But of course, there's our Neil Simon. So what are you, what are you, what are you saying? That that that, that Nick, uh, and then, then he was left, they're just repeating the whole thing. But they do it in a good way because he's standing on Chevy Chase's head. But again, that's Neil Simon. He just repeats everything that just happened in the past half hour. It's a very odd thing that this guy is a heralded, uh, writer, but his uh, situations are sometimes kind of fun. But the greatest thing that Charles Grodin will ever have done in our minds is the movie Clifford with Martin Short. Now, if you have not seen this movie and you are a fan of this podcast, I insist you watch it immediately. Now, this movie was very odd because you know, Martin Short's playing a, I think he's playing a 10 year old boy, but obviously I think he was in his you know, forties at this point. And it's, it's brilliant. It's Charles Grodin and Martin short and Mary Steenburgen. And I think, is it Martin Mull or is it Howard Hessman? I get them mixed up sometimes. Anyway, the point is this movie is brilliant. It didn't get released for some reason. There was like all these problems. People, I guess they didn't like it. They didn't think it was funny. So they never released it. And it took like four years for it to come out. And then when it came out, I remember sitting there like me and my sister were watching. We're like, I don't understand what's bad about this movie. This movie is fucking brilliant. And if you want to just know what a genius Martin Short, if you don't know already, because the fact of the matter is very much like David Tell, Martin Short in the movies might not show you his genius as he is more certainly in SCTV, but in person or live, you know, or when he's just being himself, that's when we find Martin Short kind of the funniest. His movie work won't, you know, show people that I feel in the, but this is it. 
this is the best movie, unless I can't think of something off the top of my head, that would, when he's dead, will be like, no, no, see, but he did this. And this is just goddamn brilliant. I mean, the big picture, he was amazing in that, but he was a supporting role. But I'm just saying his movie career isn't adequate enough to show how brilliant and a genius and my hero he is as it is in Clifford. And even if you don't find it funny, which it is, his performance alone is amazing. But again, Charles Grodin was an amazing comic straight man like uh, Lou Abbott, uh, but Bud Abbott. Abbott was the straight guy, right? Uh, right. I always have to say, hey, Abbott. And then I know that Lou Costello was the fat one and Bud Abbott was the thin one and the straight man. And one of the most brilliant straight mans of all time. But Charles Grodin was really straight and fun. Like, but but Abbott wasn't—he wasn't very funny. He was really straight. But Charles Grodin's straight and funny. I mean, he's really good in that. Seems like old times. He's excellent in uh, well, Midnight Run, right? I mean, I don't—I never liked Midnight Run, so I'm not using it as an example. But I know everybody seemed to like. I don't know why I didn't like it. Maybe I was just done with De Niro at that time. I mean, this guy just makes so many bad choices. But I get—don't be mad. So it's not my cup of tea, but I understand that people really, really love it. But this one, uh, you got to see it. I, I'm say, I figure most of you have seen it, but if you haven't, put it on your agenda this week for Memorial Day weekend. If you're not doing anything, definitely watch this movie, Clifford. I am now out on bail. Are you listening to me? Are you? Yes, I am. I have a criminal record. But you know what you're going to have? What? You're going to have a one-way ticket back to your parents. Don't send me back to my parents. They hate me. As much as I do. (laughs) Oh, stop with the fake tears. I'm not faking. I am sorry. I'll admit anything. Just don't send me back to my parents. I'll even tell Miss Sarah that I was the one who put the lipstick in your pocket, which I didn't. It was her father who did it. He wanted to embarrass you. He said that you were a simple-minded moron. Sarah's father called me a moron? A simple-minded moron. And Sarah's father put the lipstick in my pocket. Yes. Why would he do that? Because he hates you. I don't know why. I certainly think you're a nice enough sort. I suppose that Sarah's father also put the hot sauce in my drink. That I don't know. You don't. No. You don't. No. You don't. No. You have no idea who did that. I would suspect the bartender. Theory. Well, you know, I would suspect someone else. Now, who could that be? If you are about to say what I think you're about to say, then I don't want to hear it. Because Sarah Davis loves you, Uncle Martin. She wouldn't do that. Oh, she is problems with you, but every relationship goes through that. Oh, you... You don't think it was me? Oh, Uncle Martin, stop! And I had to be made naked in the jail. I was strip-searched. I was was humiliated. I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I made the tape. Oh, God, it was wrong, Uncle Martin, and why did I do it? Why? I think I know why. Because I was so angry at you for having promised that you would take me to Dinosaur World and then breaking that promise, Uncle Martin. What is it with you and Dinosaur World? It's a sick thing. It's like you're obsessed with this Dinosaur World. 
Don't put the dinosaur on me like that. Just leave the dinosaur over there. Just leave the dinosaur over there like that. I'm trying to tell you something. When I, when I was a little boy, you know, you touch the dinosaur, I'm going to kill you. Stefan wanted to stand here. Give me the dinosaur. Give it to me. I'll rip its head off. Give it to me. Listen to me. Here's the deal. You go to your room, write a confession that I will take to the police, and I will not send you back to your parents. And you tell Sarah that you and I are the best of friends. And we are, aren't we? Shut up. But if you even look at me funny, if you do one thing that I find weird, which is, you know, like your middle name, see, you're doing it right now. Can you just act like a human boy for one minute here? Look at me like a person. You can't do it for more than a few seconds. Look at me like a human boy. Don't mess around with me. You're going to be back on that plane. You understand me? I understand that I love you. I mean, you have to see it, too, because you have to see Martin Short's amazing expressions because he's funny when he's not even talking. But you've got to see this movie. It's unbelievably brilliant. And I don't exactly know what the problem was. I suppose I could look it up. But I choose not to. Not in the mood today. All right, let's move on to some other stuff today. I will tell you this. On Thursday, I had quite the day. I opened for David Tell at this wonderful place called Crossroads in New Jersey. My sister actually showed up, but then left because there was no seat for her, which um, her friend lied to her and said they had seats, but they did not at the bar. But she left without even saying hello. I mean, that ain't cool. I mean, if you're going to come by and we haven't spoken in three weeks, at least say hello. So that's kind of weird. But anyway, it was the best time. It was a great night. I did really good. You know, I never lie. (laughs) I did good. I did really good. Uh, great crowd, great people. Owner was awesome. The staff was amazing. Place called Crossroads in Garwood, New Jersey. We had the best time. Went to a diner after. Talked to a lot of the people afterwards, which is something I nor- no- normally do. But you know, I think they're all people like around you know around or so my age. People in their forties, and they're all from Jersey, so I feel just really comfortable there. And they were all like, "You did a great job," which doesn't usually happen. Usually, when you know I sit there, they're They'd forgotten that I was even on the show. So it was really great. But I think people were just really happy to be out. And it was a really fun time. So I was pretty happy from it. Now, just before I had gone there, I went to Menlo Park Mall in Edison, New Jersey to see if we're going to do these mall shows. And it is completely on. And right now we're talking about the last weekend in June. So they showed me where they want to do it. And it's this like patch of land. Uh, like I would say patch of land, like a grassy patch of land that's kind of gross <laughs> in between Macy's and this bar restaurant called the Fox and the Hound. So it's not, it's in the parking lot, but it's really, it's like not, but it's in this fenced in place. So it's not as sexy as I wanted it to be, but I guess it's a start, but I'm getting a little worried about it because obviously I'm upset about that. But then, you know, it's like, I have to provide security. I have to get the lights. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I know it's something I can handle, but I don't know whether I will make any money. But I don't know. So I guess we'll see. We'll try one. They want to do it. They want to do it every month and they want to do it two nights every month. So they want to do it Friday and Saturday. So I'm just glad they're into it. And it was really nice meeting these other folks. 
and you know hopefully everything will be cool but i guess we'll see it's something to it's something to do something to plan that's the most important thing right so you know that was a that was a a wonderful uh, thursday when I, I woke up early got my car serviced didn't need anything i just you know making sure because I think I might be up in Boston on June 5th opening for Rachel at, I think, Comedy Laugh Boston or something like that. If you're up around that area, uh, I'm pretty sure I am doing. I can't. I think I told you this. Uh, I can't technically open up. I would have normally featured for her because, you know, she even lets me do 25 minutes or whatever. But because of COVID, they're trying to use more local talent. But we'll see how it works right now. June 5th. Dave Juskab's going to Boston. What? I've been to Boston in like 10, 15, 20 years. But that's the plan. And so I wanted to get the car serviced because I don't want any trouble, right? Very old car. I'm getting a little nervous taking it all that way, but just want to make sure nothing's wrong. So far, so good. And got woke up early, got that service, saw my mother, went to the mall, went to the show. It was a long day. But, you know, those kind of long days are fun because i haven't had them in a long time so it was good to be out and about and seeing people and doing stuff oh by the way normally you know i take off next week it's the tuesday after memorial day but i will not be i thought about it and i'm like i don't know it's not necessary this year i mean sometimes it's good just to retool but i haven't been doing anything we'll be okay in fact uh, next week it will be the audio video portion, I, I guess, technically, because it's June 1st. We, we skipped May, uh, but that was an accident. I guess I guess I must have looked at the calendar wrong. Anyway, oh, I guess the per- anyway, my guest will be Alex Sulkin. You know how much I love him and I love Family Guy and I worship Ted. And quite frankly, even Ted, too. I mean, Ted, too. Obviously, it isn't as good as a whole, uh, Ted One, but it certainly has the scenes that make you laugh out loud, like this one where they go to uh, an improv show. So first, we need a historical event. Who's got an event? 9-11. Uh, okay, okay, uh, maybe something else. Uh, all right, let's, let's start with a person. Robin Williams. Okay, all right, for real, guys, for real. I, I, who's got a person? Robin Williams on 9-11. All right, we've heard, we've heard from these guys. Uh, let's, uh, let's maybe give somebody else over here a chance. Um, how about a location? Let's go with a location. The offices of Charlie Hebdo. Okay, seriously, sir, uh, I just need a location. Ferguson, Missouri. German Wings cockpit. Okay, I heard Starbucks. No, you didn't. Nobody said Starbucks. All right, Starbucks. Okay, now who's in the Starbucks? Bill Cosby. You people are monsters. Oh, we're giving you the tools, buddy. Come on, make some fucking comedy. <laughs> I mean, come on. This is good stuff. And, uh, you know, so the, the writer of that scene and others, and, of course, uh, this scene, too, which is, you know, I don't even know why you actually couldn't even make this today. And this is, what, five years ago? Where did they get him? Childhood toy store. I'm sorry, I couldn't hear that. Could you repeat that, please? Child wore a toy store. You fucking heard me. There's no need for hostility, Mr. Bennett. Why? Nobody here likes you. I saw you eating lunch alone. You're a loser. Your Honor. Mr. Bennett. I hope your kids get bird flu. Mr. Bennett. I'm sorry. Now, you said your parents purchased Ted. As one might purchase a baseball glove or a big wheel. No, it's not like that. Objection. You can't do that. You know what? This is bullshit. 
All right, this court is trying to tell me that I'm not as good as other people. And this is exactly what you've been doing to the fags. Ted. And I, sorry, sorry, the homos, the homos. This is exactly what you've been doing to the homos, and I say it's wrong. Ms. Jackson, please control your client, or I'll hold both of you in contempt of court. Now piss off, all right? I'm standing up for me, and I'm standing up for the homos. We deserve respect. Ted, shut up. Fine. <laughs> starts playing angry birds on his phone after he sits down. That's a courtroom scene where they're trying to decipher if uh, Ted is actually real or whatever the case may be. But, you know, yeah, I, I don't even think you can do that hilarious homos thing anymore. So Alex Sulkin will be our guest in long form next week. Uh, if you uh, have any questions and you're on the Maggie level of the Patreon uh, subscribers, uh, please let me know if you have any questions for the great Alex Hulkin. We are talking about he is the executive in charge of Family Guy. It is Seth MacFarlane and then Alex Sulkin. He is the writer of Ted 1, Ted 2, and is the writer and creator of the Star Wars Family Guy trilogy and much, much more. So if you have any questions for the great Alex Sulkin, who is the kindest of people, please let me know. We have a lot of the, you know, he would like this podcast. I mean, if he was a guy that wasn't busy and he would listen, I'm sure he would love this podcast. When we first met, we bonded over Superman, Christopher Reeve, and how great he was and Back to the Future. So, I mean, listen, it's family guy. They, you know, every reference is just made for me, I feel sometimes when I'm sitting at home because I don't understand what kids like my nephew who's 19, who worships Family Guy too? he ain't going to get the Happy Days references and all that kind of stuff, so I'm not sure who they make it for, but of course they even make fun of that. So it's kind of great. So that'll be our guest next week on our audio video show, and I'll be able to show you, you know what, I'll show you the patch of land on the YouTube uh, portion where, where you'll see where we're performing, and well, if that doesn't make you laugh, then nothing will, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, just a couple more things. You know, I was reading in the newspaper that they're really a- mad at Chris Cuomo from CNN because he was advising his brother on how to handle, you know, Governor Cuomo of New York, of how to handle his, you know, nonsense that's happening to the Andrew Cuomo. And they're all in an uproar because they say it's not uh, journalist, journalistic integrity that is involved. I'm, you know what? Uh, you know, I don't care for an, uh, Chris it's Andrew Cuomo, right? I keep thinking of Mary Cuomo. Um, you know, I don't care for him. I don't think he's a very good governor. I didn't think he was a very good guy. I didn't vote for him. But I don't have a problem if his brother is advising him. I mean, fuck everybody. I mean, this is when you're just going too far. Yeah, they're brothers. So then don't ever have him on the show, the governor. I mean, then that's the journalistic. What, I can't have him on the show because he's my brother? Why shouldn't he advise him on how to handle the media? I would have done that too. He's my fucking brother. You fucking pricks. I swear to God, everything is just pissing me off, right? You guys too, right? Chris Rock was saying the other day, and here's the other thing too. Chris Rock was saying this cancel culture, and look how I flipped the switch from like having a good time to just like, and let me tell you something. There's a bunch of pictures of me screaming at the audience. It's really funny too. I'll show you next week. But Chris Rock is in the yesterday saying, cancel culture is ruining comedy. Well, we know that. We definitely know that. It is ruining comedy. Everybody's just an idiot, and it just sucks, right? Even though we had a good time yesterday, I'm not a big cancel ruining person yet. 
and he's right. And but then I was also thinking of this diversity in comedy and how mad I am at this Felicia Michaels for getting in my face about who to put on a show. You know, Felicia Michaels. It's Felicia Madison. That's what it is. Felicia Michaels is another comic. Anyway, just in general, I'm just if that's the way it's going to be. And I didn't hear that from anybody about who you have to have on a show except from her. And she's crazy. And you know, that's it's not fair because in stand-up comedy. I was thinking about this the other day. Stand-up comedy has been the one consistent place where there has been diversity for so many years, way before anything else was, way before the movies were, or way before TV was whatever you're considering diversity anymore. The stand-up comedy, who are our favorite comics? Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy, Chris Rock. I know that's later, but I'm just saying stand-up comedy has never been a racially, besides women, and then if you say that Sarah Silverman broke a mode, certainly Joan Rivers, but I'm saying Sarah Silverman broke a mode for a lot of, mold for a lot of women to come out. You know, I mean, where, where isn't there diversity in stand-up comedy? And that's really troublesome, again, you know, and we talked about it. If somebody's going to tell me, you got to be diverse. I mean, that's, this is the one place where if you're funny, we want to we see you. It doesn't matter if you're black or Jewish or Italian. All right, well, we know there's Jews and Italians, right? But, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're black or Indian or Asian. If you are funny, we're all in. So, Fuck you and fuck anybody that says the show needs to be diverse. Stand-up comedy has been diverse. Well, at least since I got into it. And I'm going to say before, since Richard Pryor is older than me. And uh, I don't know, maybe it took Richard Pryor, but I'm saying it's been diverse since the late 70s. There's been women and black and Asian I've seen them. We all grew up with that in the 80s. It just wasn't even a thing. You never said here. I mean, yeah, okay, there's a lot of Jews in comedy. There's a lot of Italians. But, you know, it built by itself because whoever is funny is funny. And that's all anybody cares about. It just really pisses me off if somebody's going to just shit on you for like we need to be diverse in our show shut the fuck up you know what that means it means you know nothing about comedy you shouldn't be managing it i'm I'm lashing out at this woman but uh (laughs) you know i also like her too so it's weird but you know i'm just mad that she made that statement to me to me i the one place where i my life is diverse stand-up comedy and that's, I don't know if you heard about this guy, Tony Hinchcliffe, who I, I've known for a while. He used to write for Jeff, and he's, you know, he made a, a really big name for himself in, you know, which is something I wish I thought of uh, this podcast called Kill Tony, where he'd go to the comedy store and have people perform for a minute, and then he would just judge the shit out of him and be kind of like a Simon Cowell. Tony Hinchcliffe. And he just got canceled about two weeks ago. He's not like a, a great guy or anything. You know, it's like, a, I think a lot of people were. Uh, you know, like, ah, look what happened to this guy. But, uh, you know, I feel bad just because the way it happened. So he has this Asian guy opening for him, right? He's, Tony brings in the crowds. And he asks this Asian guy, who I guess he's been friends with, to open for him. And you can see the video. He is calling him a dumb gook Asian something. Like, he's really going down, you dirty Asian fuck. Because 
that's the, the because the guy, the Asian comic, was taping. But I, again, when I saw it, and I remember I was like, what did this guy do? Um, I remember thinking, like, you know what? This is so stupid. This guy is a traitor. The guy who is complaining, the Asian guy, because first of all, he let him open for him like multiple times. So what an honor. And to, you know, there was obviously a backstory. He's not going to just say that to the guy. And then I have heard there is a longer video that explains everything, of course. And this guy just stabbed him in the back. This guy who he had open, it would be like me. And when a tell goes on stage and says, you know, just cause an idiot or whatever, I don't give a shit what he said. All right, that's, you know, he's my friend. But even if I was opening for somebody else, if I was at the status where I was just starting out and somebody asked me and they make fun of me, you know, I'm going to be like, oh my God, that was, you know, what, what am I going to, I'm just going to take it and I'm not going to care because this guy gave me an opportunity. He's going to give me shit. And behind the stage, he's like, hey, you know, you know, it's cool, right? I mean, he's not a dick or anything, but this guy, I'm saying, so this guy, and then he just stabbed him in the back, released it to the press, and this guy's career, he got fired by his agency and his management, all because of this asshole who shouldn't be doing comedy because he's too soft. What a complete asshole. It's that same, remember that girl that, you know, called out Dave Cross because she couldn't take it? I can't think of her name. She's an asshole too. Because these comics are too soft. That We all abuse each other. Oh, it really made me mad. I can't get this guy's name, but I'll remember it. I'll get it because I want to make sure. You remember him and that Boeing Yang or from Saturday Night Live, him, that A.D. Bryant, right? This Boeing Yang, he's like, stop Asian hate. But then he's like hating on Elon Musk. Oh, he's rich. Oh, fuck. That kind of shit is really goddamn annoying. But you know what's not annoying? I heard from a lot of our listeners about um, Mateo and how much they uh, liked the the Comedy Seller show. And then, you know, if you did watch the the full uh, Call of Duty thing. So I'm glad because we like it too. Mateo called me the other day. He goes, you know what? You should interview me as like we should do like a regular interview. And I'm like, I, absolutely, because I can't get enough of it. I don't know whether I don't know how you guys feel about it. I'm not sure how many people feel about it. Maybe it's just me. I like all the references and everything. And I said, let's do like a 60 minute piece. I'll wear a jacket and tie, and we'll just play it totally straight. I'm like, now you seem to think everybody is so funny. I really never found your mother that amusing, uh, or your dad. You know, and, and whatever it is, I'm looking. I'm glad he's into it because uh, I love the invitation, but maybe I'm just a gay man too, so I don't know. <laughs> I haven't really heard from people like, yeah, I love it too. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe it's just me and a, and a couple of our listeners get it. But you know <laughs> what the fuck? I, I, I don't know whether I'm going to be, be able to hold a straight face when he's doing it. So, But I'm really excited about it. I'll tell you this, though. On Tuesday, we've been, uh, been going out with this girl, Keanu, uh, for lunch. She you know, moved in the neighborhood. I'm so excited that I have something to do on Tuesdays before the show. Like, you know. Having like a, a standing plan? Oh, man, that's exciting. I, I, I haven't been out on a Tuesday, you know, what I've been doing this show since the pandemic, so it's kind of exciting. I think I think Monday I'll, I'll go to see Colin play at the uh, Comedy Cellar again, but obviously I've been going out more. I went out Wednesday, and I hung out with Olga. She, look, she looks really good. <laughs> And we, you know, we had a couple of drinks, and then I just wanted to go home right away because 
because I knew I had a big day on Thursday. So I just, I really went out. I didn't stay long. I had a couple of drinks, just a couple of beers because I wanted to keep my head straight. So beer is good. Usually I didn't want to have the vodka drinks and then went uh, home, right home. And uh, that was a smart thing to do. Just had to go out for a little bit, but I won't have to go out this Wednesday because I'm going to go out on Monday. That's my plan, you know? Can't go out all the time because, well, I probably could, but I don't feel like drinking, you know? Although after the show on Thursday, I couldn't wait to have the after show beer and I had two pints of beer and it was fantastic. And then we went to this diner in Bayonne, New Jersey, which I was very uptight about. I had to call two friends. I'm like, do you think it's cool if we go to Bayonne? So I don't even know whether I've ever been there. It's like kind of an awful place in New Jersey, like right kind of around Jersey City. It's been built, I guess it's built up a little bit now, but we had a really good time. But the diner, again, short-staffed completely. The guy told us it was his first day. It was really nice. And uh, yeah, they're just, everybody's short-staffed because you, know, you can see they're cutting everybody's unemployment. I'm a little worried. But I, I, I have a way to make some money. And uh, I'll tell you, I'll tell you in two, I'll just tell you after I've done it and you'll love it. Trust me. And it involves so far the Cars movie. Okay. And it's going to be hilarious. But I'm, I'm just going to set it up for you a little bit because I, you know, I don't, I, I just want to make sure it's happening. And then even if it doesn't happen, I'll, I'll tell you. It doesn't matter. But uh, I'll just, I'll just wait one more week. But I'm dying to tell you because this might be the funniest thing I've ever done. And you'll all be able to see it on TV. I mean, this will be 10 times better than Crashing or the Sarah Silverman program. This will be the, um, the Emmy-nominated performance. This will be up there with the Morton Downey show, if you uh, remember that or, or care, if you remember that I told you any of that stuff. It's going to be great and big and awesome. So we have that to look forward to. Now, I will also tell you that from, I first of all, I love hearing from you guys. I mean, absolutely love it. So please always write whenever you can. And I also appreciate everybody uh, writing on Patreon after the shows, after the episodes. Tell me what you liked, tell me what you didn't like. It really makes me happy. And I always try and write back. And I was so happy to hear that this made everybody as happy as it made me. what it is about that song and i use the uh, the original not the uh, the guy who was just playing the song which is even funnier i don't know what it is about that song but it sure makes a lot of people happy 
And why shouldn't it? It's uh, such a good song. And you know what also makes people happy? The other, the other version of Too Close for Comfort. Be wise, be fair, be sure, be there, behave, beware. Be wise, be smart, behave, my heart. Don't upset your card when she's so close. Be soft, be sweet, but be discreet. Don't go off your feet. She's too close for comfort. Too close, too close for comfort, no. Not again. Too close. It's the Velvet Fog, Mel Torme doing the theme from Too Close for Comfort. But I'm pretty sure it's a standard. I've seen everybody's done it. Sammy Davis done it. Uh, a whole bunch of people do uh, the version of Too Close for Comfort, which clearly the show was uh, named after. No, not at all. Boy, he really was. Uh, I don't think I've. You know, when they call him the Velvet Fog, you can kind of tell now with his voice and the way it is, it's very smooth. (laughs) When he's doing that, it's reminding me of uh, Rick Moranis doing the invitation of Mel Torme, doing the national anthem, which again, from SCTV, was one of my comedy Bibles. And I didn't know who Mel Torme was. And then, of course, I was obsessed with Mel Torme because of SCTV. And then I actually got to see him live at uh, the place, I think, where Woody Allen plays. I can't remember. It was so long ago with my, my 90s girlfriend. So it must have been 1991 because it was around the time the Giants had won the Super Bowl. Like, this is how I remember stuff. And we went into New York City to see Mel Torme perform. And she was probably just like, why are we going here? Don't worry about it. Just relax. The Velvet Fog, you, you twat. I'm sorry, that's awful. <laughs> I didn't say that. She was into it, too, and it was uh, really a super fun night. But when it comes to Too Close for Comfort, I found some... Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I really, again, went down the rabbit hole last night. Tuesday on Three's Company, Jack finally gets a job at the city's snobbiest restaurant, and his premiere performance brings down the house. And on Too Close for Comfort, Ted drives his daughters out. We'll find an apartment somewhere else. And it backfires. I can't believe our daughters moved into this neighborhood. Then, on Heart to Heart, a lovely lady wrestler... Hello, Close. ...wants to get her arms around Jonathan. Jonathan! But maybe it's to kill him. Comedy and Adventure, Tuesday, starting at 9 here... Oh, man, what was the best The best of that guy? That guy... And to the end on Heart to Heart. And on Too Close for Comfort. But it backfires. And then, at an all-new heart-to-heart, because I, I remember that so well. And when we were in college, we actually did a version of that in the 80s because we, you know, that, and, and quite frankly, I mean, that's the voice I've been trying to do my whole life. I mean, this guy was special. I think his name was Ernie Andrews, but I, we did this in college. It wasn't my voice, but I was in all the, I played the, the killer in all the uh, shows. Denied on ABC is another great lineup of danger and comedy. First, Jonathan and Jennifer travel to Switzerland to protect an ambassador and his sexy wife. But it could be their last trip because someone wants them dead on heart to heart. Then Matt Houston teams up with two beautiful cheerleaders, but it could be his last hurrah because someone wants him dead on Matt Houston. 
and then Jack, Janet, and Cindy throw a reunion party for the Ropers. But this party may be their last, because Mr. Furley wants them dead on Three's Company. All tonight on ABC. Yeah, but we've been doing that gag since the 80s. And again, I could show you that the actual clip on our show next week. But yeah, it was we did it backwards, where it was uh, the two dramas going into the comedy, which of course it would never be, because the comedy has to be left. And then... And I remember he would do those movie specials too, you know, like a, this is a f- five years, at, you know, the, everything that was on Channel 7 or, or rather ABC was always like five years after it came out of the movies already and they tried to make a big event. I mean, this guy was the best. Tonight, an ABC Sunday night movie special. Come on in the water! Tonight, the most exciting movie ever made comes to television. that made motion picture history. This is not a boat accident. It was a shark. Tonight, get ready for Jaws. It's a killer. It's a man-eater. He's going to continue to feed here as long as there is food in the water. Tonight. That was me. Roy Scheider. Roy Scheider. Robert Shaw. Robert Shaw. Richard Dreyfuss. Richard Dreyfuss. In the biggest adventure ever. You're going to need a bigger boat. This shark. Right, wait, was it? Uh, right, Shiner, Robert Shaw, and the, the Jewish fella, Richard Dreyfus. Swallow you whole, John. The first time on television. John. Now, get ready. Get ready for Jaws. Yes. Oh my God! How great is that guy's voice? What about the, and and then you know what the weird part is, is that I just play this is in my head all the time. The opening to the like Sunday night movie, like I play it sometimes when I'm walking back from my car. Like it's just like the like I've always if I ever have a show like on Netflix, I would open with that and be like tonight, tonight. Tonight, an ABC premiere presentation. Take her out. The adventure continues. You didn't expect to find me. The deadliest criminal in the galaxy is on the loose. He wants to kill me. And the battle lines are drawn. There he is. William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and Ricardo Montalban. Star Trek II. The Wrath of Khan, next. God, I loved that music. And then it would always go, tonight. On an all-new Mannix. That was my dream. That I would be in that David Jessica stars. <laughs> David Jessica, Roy Scheider, starring... Uh, I don't have an example, but Mannix. No, The Return of Mannix. That's why I always wanted to do an, another version of Mannix. Why? I don't know why. 
He wasn't even on ABC, but that's, that's, this is why I'm depressed for the rest of my life. This is from the 70s, right? So what was I, 10? This is all I've ever wanted, is to have that guy and his voice talk about tonight. Dave Jaskow stars in The Return of Mannix. And if I can't get that, then there really is no reason to live. Because it's really not a lot to ask. No one else wants that. But if you want to hear the funniest thing you've ever heard in your life, besides William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, and Ricardo Montalban, <laughs> okay, I got one for you. Saturday, they're together again. It's a go. But on different sides of the law. Don't make me take you down. William Shatner versus Leonard Nimoy on T.J. Hooker. And it's a special all-new two-hour cruise to the Greek Isles with Eva Marie Saint, Eddie Albert, Shirley Jones on the love boat. Tomorrow. I mean, is this guy something else or what? This guy's fucking unbelievable. What a voice. And everybody remembers it, too. It's not like you remember. On the love boat. I, w- I heard I was reading about the guy. and Oh, first of all, his, um, what is his name? Ernie Anderson, his son is Paul Thomas Anderson, the one that directed Boogie Nights. In fact, I believe he dedicated the movie to his father. So he was a, a big Hollywood guy, obviously. I mean, doing the voice of ABC for years. Well, I'd like to talk to that guy. I mean, boy, whoa, his voice is, it's just in my head for so many years. And I'm pretty sure that is what I have been imitating between that and Harry Harrison on ABC, all this WABC on the radio, but all these kind of guys. I've just been trying to get that voice down tonight for since i've started this podcast and way beyond that monday a plot worth mid-east millions pushes macgyver over the edge and leaves him hanging by a thread you're gonna pull through this stand clear macgyver then are you ready for some football the super bowl champion 49ers battle the saints on the season premiere of abc's monday night football is this guy not just the greatest? I mean, seriously, he's the greatest. <laughs> it's like, it's just, it brings back so many memories. Valerie Bryan, Margot Kidder, and Christopher Reeve as Superman. That's the first time I saw that one, so I was uh, wondering who's going to be first. I thought for sure it'd be like Christopher Reeve, but I guess I don't know what year they were playing this. Uh, I mean, you're assuming everything came out five years later. So uh, I forgot about Marlon Brando. I thought it would go Christopher Reeve, Gene Hackman. We go Marlon Brando, Gene Hackman. 
Everybody else, Valerie Perrine, Margot Kidder, and Christopher Reeve as Superman. Tonight on ABC. <laughs> this guy fucking rules. He's dead and he died. Why? Because he was smoking his whole life. Died of fucking lung cancer because he's an idiot. You know, I hate about the smoking. Uh, I say this on the Billy Joel podcast all the time. That I'm so angry when you see Billy Joel smoking all the time because he had the voice of a goddamn angel and he's ruined it. However, on the flip side, smoking might have helped this guy. I mean, who gets a voice like that? You got also, there's a couple of things where you can actually watch him do it and it just doesn't look like it's coming out of a human being. You know, you're actually watching him do copy and he goes, tonight on the love boat. And it just, I don't know, it just, just doesn't look like it's normal, but it was normal and... Just do it again. Just go on another track. That's all you got to do. So, if any of you or your friend... Oh, Jesus. Jesus Christ. Well, let me let me explain something to you. There's something wrong with this picture. I'm fucking leaving here. You have another plan? Answer the phone, you dumb fuck. Roll the fucking thing and shut her up. Just say we're rolling quiet on the set. It's in a total... Those are outtakes of him recording, so... <laughs> those guys, those voiceover guys always got so angry all the time. Tuesday. I've known the man a long time. I love him. Hutch faces the toughest bust of his life. I'll bet my badge on a cop. The cop who taught him everything sells out and helps the mob waste a witness. Blew right through the third floor window. And Hutch has got to bring him in. Tuesday. I mean, this, this, this guy's unbelievable. I could listen to this all day. This, this guy's voice, is, it's, a, it's a miracle of existence. Wednesday on 8 is Enough, the kids are all alone. When the mysterious stranger arrives out of the storm. Phone's dead. And Charlie's Angels disco the night away. But it ends up a dance of death. Then, Dan rides with outlaw bikers. Chase down a gang of motorcycle killers on Vegas. Watch Wednesday on ABC. Oh, man, this guy is so fucking awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's like a joke in itself, and that was... On Vegas! <laughs> God. Yeah, well, that is what's... Mi- you know, if you had this guy on network TV now, network TV would probably be more special. Who wouldn't watch? I mean, now I just want to see... Uh-oh, Vegas looks good this week. And you know it's going to suck. And Charlie's Angel Disco, the night away, but it's a night of death. <laughs> ABC was goddamn brilliant back then. They knew how to bring in the viewers. They really did. Wow. That is fun. Well, I got to say, that just made my day. As I was getting angry again, I am now not angry anymore. That guy's crazy. I'm going to be obviously probably like you guys walking around all day going... But it's a dance of death tonight on ABC. Oh, you know I'm going to be walking around all day just doing that. Oh, boy. <laughs> what a mess. <laughs> anyway, tomorrow I'm taping on or recording on Saturday, my favorite. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll do it next weekend, too. It's a Memorial Day weekend. Normally I take a week off. What do I need to take off for? I don't know. Because I guess it's June 1st. I just want to start. You know, I just want to do it. So I'm not taking off. We'll give you a show. <laughs> we'll put on a nice show for you. Uh, but tomorrow, uh, Rachel Feinstein's baby is one as of on Thursday after a big COVID year of a firstborn. 
we're having a little party on Sunday in beautiful downtown Staten Island, as I, as you know, I like. But it's a party of death. But it, that's uh, fun. So it's at least something to do, something to leave the house. So that's good. And today, you know, I'm 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 shopping for my Monday meal prep. This week, I'm going to make little stuffed green peppers and some barbecue meatballs with pineapple and some uh, vegetables. I don't know, you know, and then I give uh, some to my mom. And I just went to the grocery store on Friday here, and they just were just, just out of everything. It just sucks here. Like I said, the only good thing about living here is when I forget an ingredient. I'm like, oh, okay, I can walk over and get it. But other than that, man, they're just out of everything. I couldn't even get green onions. I had to go to three separate stores. What a pain in the ass. I even woke up early today, go to the store, see if they were replenished. Nothing. I had to buy green onions on the street. And they didn't look that good either. And I can't find frozen cauliflower rice anywhere. They're all it just it just it just sucks here. But of course, grocery shopping here. I mean, I didn't even know how it worked in Manhattan when I first moved here. When I first started coming here in the eighties, like, I would ask my drama teacher who lived here, and I was just like, "How do you guys shop for groceries?" He's like, "Well, there's grocery stores here. Those are the things you just don't notice when you're a tourist that there's actually grocery stores because I guess as a tourist, you're certainly not coming to my neighborhood and." You're not coming to a bunch of neighborhoods, I guess, that, you know, would have grocery stores. Because just today, I was thinking I really I need to go to, like, Barnes & Noble or something, you know, the, where I'm go- there's no grocery store. I can't check another grocery store on the way. They just don't really have them in Midtown. It really just sucks. And it's dirty here, and it's bothering me. You know, I just want to leave. And I probably know if I left, I'd be miserable, but maybe I wouldn't. I don't know. But whatever, for now, we're in. We'll see what happens. Everything's going to be okay. You know it is. So anyway, that's the show. I hope you like There's no way you didn't like at least the end part with Ernie Andrews. Is that his name? Ernie Anderson. At Vegas, it's William Shatner, Lennon Nimoy, back together again, but on the wrong side. Tonight, an all-new T.J. Hooker. I just can't get it the right way. Well, now I can't stop talking like this. It's Saturday night. Christopher Reeve, Superman 2. That's the best when it's two. William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, Ricardo Montalban, Star Trek 2. Tonight, the greatest movie ever made. Jaws comes to network television for the first time. Roy Scheider, Robert Shaw, and... I am hilarious. One thing you have to know about me, I'm hilarious. That's the way you always want to meet somebody in a place. Okay, if there's one thing you're going to want to know about me, it's I'm hilarious. All right, folks. Well, that is our show for today. I think I covered everything that we need to do today. So let's reiterate like in a Neil Simon play. So what do you you say? That that, that Nick uh, was was left for, uh, what what do you say, dead? 
Uh, no, so what's going on today, tonight, Tuesday, Comedy Cellar Show, our friend Wendy Liebman, really one of the great stand-up comics, a female from the end, what, where's the diversity, Marina Franklin, a black woman, what, I'm not doing it on purpose, it's just the way it is, so it's a true diverse show, last week I had two white guys on, what do you want me to do, anyway, it's going to be beautiful, beautiful. The Comedy Cellar Nightly Show tonight, Tuesday, 7 o'clock. Don't miss it. It's always a good time, and it's only a half hour. How can you go wrong? Billy Joel, A to Z. Big shot today. Blonde over blue. So that's what's happening. I, I will be appearing on June 5th at Laugh Boston if you are in town, uh, possibly again in Jersey on June 4th, then of course uh, at the end of the month in the mall, but I'll give you all my dates and they're always available on my website, DaveJustGow.com Other than that, don't forget, next week, Alex Sulkin uh, If you are a Maggie level subscriber on Patreon contact me if you have any questions to ask this great man who I consider great because I mean he's just really goddamn funny, I mean some, we play that opening for Ted too more than we play actually Ted, so He's great, and it's going to be a fun day. He's a nice guy. He's a big Billy Joel fan, so that's great, too. And, folks, just have a great week. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, whatever that means to anybody at this point. Do we even have vacations anymore? I don't know what's happening, but if you are working or if you have been working, have a wonderful weekend. Everybody deserves it, and I will see you Tuesday. June 1st on the video audio podcast and an all new Nightfly. Good night, everybody. Please don't